We celebrate the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning from Luke chapter 12. Jesus is teaching the people who are following after him. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or an arbitrator for you? And Jesus said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them this parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grains and my goods. And I would say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is, says Jesus, with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. Let's pray together. We pray, O God, not just as prelude to sermon, but in fact to prepare ourselves to hear you speaking deeply within our hearts as we ponder this text, as we bring all of ourselves to all that we understand about you. May some new insight, large or small, cause us to turn ever closer toward the way that you have shown us in your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let me ask you, if you could ask Jesus one question, what would it be? Our text this day has the story of Jesus preaching to the people, moving among them freely when he's interrupted Whatever he was saying, he was interrupted by a man who considered his own personal agenda to be of the highest priority. He reminds me not a little bit about uh, the way Martha reacted when Mary, her sister, was sitting at the feet of Jesus and she felt like an injustice was being done to her. She went to Jesus saying, Lord... Tell my sister to help because this doesn't feel right for me to do all the work. And in the same way, here comes this man. Clearly not interested in Jesus' teaching, but rather in the fact that his father presumably had died recently. And he wants his share of the family inheritance. Apparently he feels cheated. And he wants an answer. He wants resolution. He wants to win this argument that he's apparently having with his brother. And mainly, he wants the money. Show me the money. He sees Jesus as a kind of tiebreaker, a judge. 
That's all we know of the story, and it's one side of the story. Perhaps the man had a legitimate complaint against his brother. We just don't know. What we do know is this, that Jesus said to him, in essence, you're asking the wrong question. You're asking the wrong question. Jesus said, I came into this world not to be the arbiter of these kinds of arguments. I came into this world to reset priorities. I've come to call you to a work of love to help you see your life differently and to blaze a way and a truth and a life that you're called to come and follow after. And this way, this way isn't the same way as the way of the spirit of winning and hoarding and claiming and keeping. Jesus apparently sees through the man's question. He sees what's really going on in the man's heart. And so he warns him and all who will hear that there's a danger here that could infiltrate our lives when we least expect it. Take care, he says. Beware. Be aware. Be on guard. Look over your shoulder. Because there is all kinds of greed that can capture you. Beware of it. I love that. Beware of all kinds of greed. It's not just about money. It's not just about the 1%. It's about all of us. And our relationship, not only with our money, but with the other things that we hold in our hands and with our lives, our time, our affections. Beware of being greedy with your affections or with your forgiveness or your capacity to love and welcome the stranger. Be careful that you're not hoarding that and keeping it for yourself for some other day. For one's life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So then he tells a parable, a little story about a rich man whose farm did so well, so well, the crops came in very unexpectedly. High yield of return, great success for the year, so much so that the barns couldn't even hold all that he had raised that year. But he thought to himself, these are my crops. They won't fit in my barn, but they're mine. I need to keep them. I produce them. I may need them at a later date. And so he thinks to himself, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barn. I'll build a bigger barn, and I'll fill it full of all of my stuff, and then I'll be content. Then I can say, ah, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. There's an old Roman proverb that says money is like seawater. The more you drink, the thirstier you get, which is true of everything in life. From money to power to sex to drugs to music to pleasure to knowledge, things good and bad, the more we have, the more we want. And that night, the man hears the voice of God say, you fool. Or as the reader in Friday church said, fool. Fool, tonight your soul is demanded of you, and these things that you have hoarded, what good are they? Whose will they be? This is the parable that was given 
to a man who comes asking Jesus the wrong question. He comes asking the question, how can I keep what I think is mine? And Jesus says the real question is, how can I be more generous with my life? Now I know we're in church, and everybody kind of puts their brain in neutral at church. You know you're going to hear bizarre things from the Bible, or you're going to sing songs you don't really understand the words, or the preacher's going to be up there talking, and you don't really agree with half of it, my goodness. And here's yet another one where the teaching flies right in the face of the dominant culture. Everything that you and I hear, Monday through Saturday, says there's only so much to go around. It is a philosophy or a theology of scarcity that says there's not enough. I've got to keep what's mine. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. As Norm said on that old TV show, Cheers, it's a dog-eat-dog world out there, and I'm wearing milk-bone underwear. (laughs) Someone's always nipping for more of me. And along comes Jesus Christ, who says the exact opposite. He said the world is extravagant, that the one who creates is one who has more than enough for everyone. When he turns water into wine, it's not just a little bit of wine. It's a whole bunch of wine. When he feeds, he doesn't just feed a few. He feeds 5,000 people, 5,000 family units, men, women, children. It's a lot, a lot of food. He says God is generous and that there's more than enough for everyone. And here's the challenge. I appreciate you showing up today on this beautiful Sunday morning. But let's be clear that when we say we believe in Jesus, we're not just talking about an idea from 2,000 years ago that is great history and that we believe in the history. When we say that we believe in Jesus, we are saying we ascribe to his truths, that we will follow his way, that we will adapt his view. That we will see through his eyes. And I notice in this parable. How he begins the story. Says exactly what Jesus believes about God and this world. He does not say. There was a rich man. Who was a really good farmer. And he raised lots of crops. What he said was this. The land of a rich man. Yielded abundantly. Do you hear it? It wasn't the man. It was the land. As if to say, everything in this life that we receive comes as gift. It is all grace that we receive. And if we come out of that frame, if that is our way of understanding God, if that's the kind of God that we're teaching here at Highland, then it reorients everything that we are and do. Because if God is generous, then we're being called to be people of abundant, extravagant generosity. I read a brief about a study that had been done and reported on in the Journal of Scientific Study of Religion 
folks from the University of Texas in San Antonio and the University of Michigan, conducted this study on people's faith and their practice. And what they found, I'm glad, was what we might hope. And that is that if people believe in a God of forgiveness, that God is capable of forgiving our sins, that if that's our construct, then we become people who are more able to forgive those who hurt us. They studied it. They found that to be the case. Now, I've not done a study on this, but I want to extrapolate from that and say that if we believe that God is generous, that God is extravagant, then we, by by following that, must become people with lives of generosity. You see, the kind of God we teach and preach and sing about matters. Beware of all kinds of greed, Jesus said, for one's life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. I was with my friends Roger and Susie Painter this weekend. They were telling me about uh, a young woman who had attended their church in Austin while she was in the United States uh, studying at the university. She's from the Philippines. In fact, her father is the chief of a mountain tribe in the Philippines. She was here to study, and now she was to go back and and be married. And she was talking to them about her experience of going home and being married. For you see, in the Philippines, a wedding is not just about getting a man and woman or a couple united together, but it rather is to show how the wealth of the family will will be a a source of value for the marriage. I mean, that would never happen here in the United States. We would never use weddings to show off our wealth. But they have an interesting way of showing wealth. It has nothing to do with what invitations you send out or the flowers you make, but it rather has to do with showing how wealthy you are by burning pigs. And if you're really wealthy, you'll burn a pig every hour for a week. That's like 164 pigs, if I did my math right. That's a lot of pork. The problem was that this girl's father, the chief of this tribe, had become a Christian. And so although this was the traditional way of showing wealth, it was a traditional way of their people, he saw this as a problem because it was inconsistent with the values that he held as a Christian. It seemed too much for him a sign of excess. But on the other hand, he didn't want to relinquish this ritual, this tradition. And besides that, the elders of the tribe were concerned that their chief had become a Christian. They wondered to themselves, how is this going to change our customs? How is he going to make us different? And so here's what he decided he would do. The chief decided that rather than burn pigs in order to show his wealth, he would cook the pigs and send them out by way of his elders to all the poor villages that surrounded his village. So here come all of these elders into these poor camps of of people bringing barbecue 
Whether it was mustard-based or tomato-based, I do not know. (laughs) But whatever it was, the villagers welcomed it with open arms. They were shocked that someone of wealth would, would care and share with them. The story gets very interesting, though, when it comes time for the wedding. Typically, only the village would attend someone's wedding. But on the day of this young woman's wedding, all the villages around, all who had been recipients of this pork gift, not only showed up for the wedding, but brought gifts. They would bring from their particular villages these large leaves filled with grains and nuts and fruits. It was beautiful, they said. They laid them out in display, and that became the decoration for the wedding. Only there was so much that they had to start piling it up. And it was piled so high that in the photographs of the wedding, you could barely see the bride and the groom. Here's a way of reframing wealth. To say it's not all about me. It's not all about mine. It's not all about building a bigger barn to keep what's mine. But rather it is to follow in the way of God who's revealed in Jesus. To live lives of abundance. To reorient ourselves. To go against the flow of culture that says more, mine, possess, hoard, to say ours. There's more than enough for everyone. We do it not to desire attention, not to be repaid, but because it's who we are. It's who we are. There's an old tale of a father who had two sons. When he died, he left the two sons an equal share of the inheritance. The older son had never married. He lived alone on one side of the valley. His younger brother lived on the other side of the valley. He had married young, and they had a house full of children. The night after the money was dispersed and divided, the single brother thought to himself, my father has made a big mistake by dividing the inheritance in half. I mean, here I am by myself, and I have all I need, but my brother on the other side of the valley has all those mouths to feed. Surely he needs to have the full inheritance. Meanwhile, on the other side of the valley, after the children are put to bed, the younger brother's talking to his wife, and they think to themselves, here we are, our home filled with love. We have each other. We have these children for our security, and across the valley is our brother who lives by himself and has no future, no security other than just himself. Our father made a mistake. In dividing the inheritance equally, he needs to have the full share of the inheritance. And so in their respective homes, they plotted to take their share of the inheritance and after midnight, creep down through the valley to the brother's house and put the suitcase somewhere where it can be found by their sibling and used for their good. Well, you can anticipate this story. The moon was full and after midnight, both brothers start out from their houses with suitcases filled with their side, their share of the inheritance. And lo and behold, they meet in the middle of the valley. And as soon as they see each other, they recognize what their brother is doing. And they put down their suitcases and they fall into each other's arms 
with great love and affection for each other, which is just what the Father wanted. We come to this table of generosity. It is a God who gave God's only Son for you and me, life, gift, free for all. It is for us an invitation to come be part of who Christ was and is and ever will be. And you're invited. You're invited to take part in the feast that God has prepared for us. As we prepare our own hearts to come, let us use those people to our left and right, before us and behind us, to be those people who we need to reconcile with. Let's practice the peace, the generosity that God wants us to experience and give. As we stand together and say these words, may the peace of Christ be with you and also with you. Stay.